Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Top Shelf Sports Talk. You're hanging out in the sports bar with Danger and Battaglia on the Sports Leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950. The Fan, Rochester. Here, Nate Gary on our Odyssey Sports sister station, WGR in Buffalo, as part of the Buffalo Bills radio network as well. Nate, I get the impression that you and I are parking our cars in the same garage and that we just don't quite love the 2023 draft class for the Buffalo Bills. How are you, buddy? I'm well, and our cars are Porsches. Are, are we still living in the same uh, in the same dream here? Yeah, of course. We're, we're, we're driving Porsches. I have a full head of hair, and uh, I suddenly have gained a lot of weight below the waist. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, you know that. Uh, of course, we 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 just we send this right off of the uh, right off the escape route here. Yep. The second I get on the show, but that's, that's right. why I love coming on the show with you guys. Come on. What do you think, Nate? I mean. Um, I even went as far on Friday as to say I'm not necessarily sure that Brandon Bean is good at drafting NFL football players. And and I know that that's a harsh criticism, but what has this Bills regime done to show us in the past that they will actually do what they should do with anybody that they acquire or bring in? And that's cater to their strengths and use them the, the appropriate way. We didn't see it with Naeem Hines. We didn't see it with James Cook. We didn't see it with Dawson Knox last year. And, and are we supposed to be excited and believe that they'll utilize Dalton Kincaid in the proper manner? So it kind of reminds me of like going grocery shopping a little bit, right? And it's like going grocery shopping without a real recipe you're grocery shopping for. So you go, you're like, oh man, those steak tenderloins, those, those look really, really good. Ooh, Ooh, those, those acorn squash. Oh my gosh, they look so good. Could you imagine how good they'll be when I make them in the oven? And you just get all of these random, you know, pieces for a recipe, but none of them really go together. And that's kind of how it, it sort of feels like for me, it, to me, it just, it's almost like there's a disconnect between Brandon Bean when he's grocery shopping and, you know, Ken Dorsey when he's trying to make the, the dinner in the kitchen, if that makes sense. And that's, that's kind of what I got last year is, because we heard the same the same sort of stories we've we've heard so far through the last four or five days about Dalton Kincaid, right? Like 
you know, well, this guy's different, and he's really more of a pass catcher. He's more of a, a weapon, right? And then, you know, James Cook basically was used as every other running back in the league is used. Hmm. Uh, so it's hard for me to, to sort of say and be excited about, well, the Bills got the best pass catcher in the draft. And that's what the, the sort of people that are – and I hate putting it in this, like, these two buckets of you either like it or you hate the pick, right? But I think that's kind of where the buckets are as it stands. And the people that love the pick, well, he's a pass catcher. And, you know, he just imagine that he doesn't have tight end next to his name and, you know, all of this stuff. And you're like, hey, that's awesome. Then are we going to compare him to his peers at the wide receiver position that were drafted? Well, no, we're not going to compare him to Jordan Addison. We're not going to compare him to those guys are wide receivers. I'm like, well, you can't have it both ways. And, and I think that's what people are trying to – to make this into a, well, what about, and, and take the tight end away. And he's a slot receiver and he's like, he's Cole Beasley, but he's a bigger body. And I, I'm not subscribing to any of those. I, I think in a vacuum, you can say they got a weapon. The NFL is treating weapons like Dalton Kincaid with more value than they did five, 10, 15 years ago. Dalton Kincaid, five, 10, 15 years ago, does not get drafted because he does not bring that interior in-line tight end role where he can block. He could be an all-around weapon, right? Like 15 years ago, he's going undrafted. There may not be a spot for him on an NFL roster, but that is how the NFL has evolved. So in that sense, sure, in today's NFL, can Dalton Kincaid be worth it in the 25th overall pick and train a fourth-round pick? Yeah, absolutely. Where my doubt creeps in is not about the player. And this has been my biggest sticking point. I do not have any doubts that he could end up being the best hashtag pass catcher in this draft. <laughs> but I do worry about how the offensive coordinator is going to integrate two tight ends because he is a tight end. And whether or not he does all of the things a normal tight end does or just some of them, they are going to be a team who ran 12 personnel less than any team in football to a team that's going to have to run 12 personnel to have him on the field. And then can you integrate and can you change your offense enough so that A, it works, but B, you can get the most value for that guy. Because right now, at that pick, Jordan Addison, let's say for whatever reason, Jordan Addison falls to the Bills. What would be the expectations in year one for Jordan Addison? I, I might say I might stop short of saying he's a thousand yard receiver, but I'm looking at forty, fifty catches, six, seven, a guy like that, maybe eight hundred yards, handful of touchdowns. Are those your expectations for Dalton Kincaid? Because if they are, I've got to ask you, how different do you think this offense can be to actually get that value out of Dalton Kincaid? Because if that's what you're expecting, then you are expecting a dramatic, and I mean dramatic change for an offensive coordinator entering his second season, what you're going to ask that offensive coordinator that struggled at times scheming things against defenses last year is to not just be better, it's to reinvent yourself with really no history of him having to do that. And I guess that's kind of where this is more of a global issue for me rather than, oh, I don't like Dalton Kincaid. Well, Nate, and I'm wondering, and I'm going to ask you the question, and we'll never know the answer unless you work for Brandon Bean or you're Brandon Bean himself, but I'm just wondering if Dalton Kincaid was plan B, or dare I say plan C here, because uh, Jack Edwards going at number 20, I don't think anybody saw that coming, that he would be off the board that soon. And then when you had the run on wide receivers, I thought one of the four would be there for Buffalo. So your thoughts here, because, Nate, I don't believe Dalton Kincaid was plan A. I don't think so either, but I also maybe want to say what I think probably happened, right, is 
and Brendan Bean has talked about this, every general manager has talked about this, the, the number of first-round grades you have on guys. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Bills are sitting there at 27, two picks away, looking at their big board and seeing one guy left with a first-round grade and thought, we're a fourth-round pick away from getting a guy. And maybe there was a significant drop-off from that guy with the last first-round grade and the first guy with a second-round grade. I think that's very possible. And they thought in that moment, this is our opportunity to use a fourth, move up, get a guy that we believe is one of the last first-round grades left in this draft. And we, we, our plan was we were walking away with someone we graded in the first round. That's our guy. We're going to get him. Or, like, that, that to me is probably what happened. But here's the thing, too, and, and this is sort of a supplemental conversation to the one we're having here, right, about who was left. And, yeah, the wide receiver board maybe didn't shake out the way that they wanted. I, I, if, if I was Brandon Bean, I was not going into Friday, uh, Thursday night thinking that one of those receivers were falling in my lap. I just – there were too many needy teams in the six picks in front of you that, man, it, it, through, through 18 picks, everyone's like, oh, wow, the Bills are going to have one of these guys fall right in their lap. And I was like – I'm not so fast, man. I mean, look at the teams ahead of them. All of them need a wide receiver. But I, I think part of this conversation, guys, and, and it sort of goes back to the last question and about the philosophy and whether Brandon Bean is good or not good at drafting. When you regularly trade up and you package assets to move up, what happens is you sort of lose your ability on a dice roll. It's like taking numbers off of a dice, right? It's like taking cards out of the deck and playing blackjack. You are losing opportunities to hit the perfect hand. And with the Bills, right? Like, when you trade a fourth-round pick, well, you lose an opportunity to draft a game Davis. Yeah. When you trade a fifth-round pick, you lose the opportunity to draft a Matt Milano. And I don't think people look at it that way. And they say, well, we had to move up. We had to get our guy. We had to move up from 28 to 24 to go get, you know, Kyrie Elam last year, whatever that trade was. We got to move up two spots to get Dalton Kincaid. And we got to move up to, you know, get this person, that person. Four of his first six drafts he's, he's traded up in. And, guys, what that does is it narrows that gap. It just it creates less of a margin for error. And now the skepticism gets, you know, zoomed in on a third-round pick like Terrell Bernard, where if they had drafted a, another linebacker in the sixth round last year, who, which they kind of did, Bayon Spector, right, who looked better at times than Terrell Bernard, you just lose the amount of ammo you can put in the chamber. And I think that, to me, is the one area where, if you're Brandon Bean, as much as you want your guy, don't you want five guys instead of three guys that maybe could turn out to be something? And I think that's really where I'm at with him is he's got to give himself some more chances to be right because when he's wrong, He's not giving himself a lot out. So, Nate, I, I think we all kind of universally agree and see the wisdom behind taking Osiris Torrance in the second round. You imagine sure. he'll come in, compete right away, and could actually end up starting when it's all said and done. Shorter feels like a nice insurance plan uh, if you're not able to get something done with Gabe Davis long term. Dorian Williams is the one that's kind of like a head scratcher and a little intriguing to me. I, you know, we imagine that there's probably going to be a competition, and maybe Williams or Bernard is the guy that comes out of that to, to replace what you're losing in Tremaine Edmonds. What's your take on Williams, the player? You know, it feels to me like you've got uh, two Bs instead of one A in terms of a replacement there for Tremaine Edmonds. And I would tell you that almost universally, everyone that I talked to on Saturday that I had kind of come on and talk about their thoughts in the draft, give their grade, almost all of them said, well, I've got to dock them on the third round pick, right? Because it just it doesn't make a lot of sense 
it seems redundant from the guy you drafted last year. Now, Williams is a 4-4 guy. He ran 4-4-9 in the, at, the, at the combine. He's got some speed to burn. Um, and, and I think there's maybe a little bit more body composition there than you have with Terrell Bernard. But what, what made it more confusing, guys, was that Brandon Bean comes out and says, well, we really see him more as a will. Well, then what are you drafting a backup a position you know he'll have no chance of starting in short of injury, and you don't draft to, to, to replace guys for, guys for injury. You just don't. Like, to me, that's what didn't make sense. Is if you draft him, you say, yeah, you know, maybe he's a little undersized, but we really are projecting him to be a Mike linebacker in the NFL. We think with his speed, he's going to be able to overcome any size issues, any size discrepancies. And, man, we really love his, his football sense, his football knowledge. And that's what they sort of bragged about Terrell Bernard last year was, man, you know, we got this guy in front of a grease board and he impressed the hell out of us. He just is instinctual, knows where to be. Even if he's a little undersized, underweight, didn't run what we want him to run, we think he makes up for that with the intellect on the field. And, you know, drafting a guy that's going to sit behind Matt Milano and be a primary special teams contributor in the third round, I just, I did not, I, I don't see... I don't see the game plan. Yeah, I get the Matt Khalil, right? Like we, we drafted Matt Khalil while we had, you know, whoever else they had there. Or was it they had Matt Khalil and they drafted Bradley Bozeman? Something along those lines. And you never know when you need a guy, and all of a sudden they need him, and he turned into being a, a great pick for them. But they had a guy in that position established already. I, I don't know. I, I have a lot of trouble seeing the value and taking a linebacker for the second year in a row with that third-round pick when I think there were other areas, especially at that position, where I hope you don't look back a year from now and say, man, look at that, you know, Pro Bowl or Rookie of the Year candidate that the Bills passed over to draft linebacker for the second consecutive year in the third round, like we've been the last couple of years with Creed Humphrey. Yeah, we're talking to Nate Geary from the Buffalo Bills Radio Network. Nate, Danger and I were having this uh, conversation earlier in the show because camp coming up for the Bills, we're excited about that. But has there ever been a year where you knew, you kind of knew, um, all right, if we had to predict the 53-man roster right now, I don't know if there's any surprises. It's a I think, slam dunk. Yeah, I think we could kind of figure this out. Is that a good or bad thing? Well, you know, the thing I'm going to be confused about is how many linebackers is this team going to carry? Um, I mean, Tyler Batacavich is still here, um, and they restructured him, I believe. So I don't think they're getting out of that contract. Yeah, and the fact that you have Terrell Bernard. They signed A.J. Klein. They have Dotson. Um, you know, and then they have Bale Spector from last year. And like, all of a sudden, you're like, how many linebackers is this team going to carry? Um, I, I, but I think universally across the board, yeah, I, I would say I, I could probably do it here on the phone with you without looking at a roster. Um, and, and I don't know if that's good or bad. I, I might want to tell you that I don't love that. Um, because, I, I, again, I think that's how you fill the back end of your roster up. And, I, listen, Bill Polian has said a lot of great smart things. He said a lot of dumb things over the course of his career. But one of the things that I do really subscribe to is the, the second and third day, the first and second day of the draft are easy. It's the fourth, and through, fourth through seventh rounds that really kind of solidify and fortify championship rosters. Um, and I don't think they got enough of those behind those fifth round, sixth round, seventh round guys and they do next year, by the way. They got 10 picks now next year after trading back a couple of times. I did like that move by Brandon Bean because those are the sorts of picks where, hey, in a camp battle, all of a sudden that seventh round pick, I don't know, a Christian Benford, for instance, right? Where all of a sudden you're like, hey, we got this first round pick and he's going to start, he's going to be starting games for three season. All of a sudden your seventh round pick is starting games over your number one pick. That's the point of having those and not always trading those late round picks is filling the back end of your roster so that in training camp, 
you can leave yourself open for a surprise make or a surprise camp battle that maybe you're not predicting. And, and that's what I'm kind of hoping for, like a guy like Shorter. Um, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. You know, Cy- Cyrus Torrance is really interesting to me too, guys, because they go out, they get David Edwards. They, they re-sign Ike Butker. Um, they still have, you know, they go and get Connor McGovern. One could say you were probably set at guard. I mean, you could definitely make the case you were set at guard. Go, go attack tackle. Um, they draft Osiris, uh, you know, Osiris Torrance, who I think will likely be the starter at right guard and maybe frees up, um, you know, Ryan Bates to even maybe push Spencer Brown for right tackle. I mean, he came in originally and was playing left tackle for this team in the first year of the Bills uh, traded for him from Philadelphia. So he could maybe press Spencer Brown at tackle a little bit, but be maybe the rotational piece that Bobby Hart was, except better. Um, but then you draft another guard in the sixth round, right? And, so now I'm thinking at this guard position, I mean, Butker's not going to be here. Is David Edwards going to be here? He, he's a guy that's long starts in this league. And are you going to keep a sixth-round pick over a guard like David Edwards who has played football in the NFL? And that's going to be the decision. Where maybe at that point I'm looking at tackle. Um, I'm looking at, at maybe another position other than interior offensive line. But they made a note. They believe that if they can solidify and fortify the, fortify the, the interior of that offensive line, that there are things you can do to scheme pressure on the edge. When they were getting beat up the middle against teams, there's not a lot of answers that an offensive coordinator can do in the midst of a game to help a guard like Roger Saffold who's just getting blown by every down. So, um, yeah, I, I was interested to see the, the sort of plan at guard, but, yeah, the overall 53 seems, seems pretty solidified right now. Latavius Murray signed by the team uh, today. He, he's a guy that I would say is a bubble guy when you consider what they've already invested in at running back uh, heading into the offseason program here. We can kind of look at the defensive end and say, all right, well, if Vaughn Miller starts the season at PUP, maybe the Bills aren't done adding pieces here uh, heading into the offseason, Nate. But what about... What about DeAndre Hopkins? Because today, the video from Arizona, it it sure feels like Hopkins was doing everything he could within his power to try and drum up some enthusiasm for a trade. And and to Brandon Bean's credit, no bite, no no takers, and Hopkins is back in Arizona for now. Yeah, for now. Listen, I mean, it's the the chronicles of DeAndre Hopkins at this point. Now he's like, well, I never said I wanted to leave. Who said I wanted to leave? Right. Um, Yeah, okay. Well, listen, we've talked about this, I think, probably ad nauseum about Arizona. I think they're maybe the most interesting team in football because if I were to put money down, I might bet that Kyler Murray's played his last snap in Arizona. Now, they're doing all the right things. They go to his statue ceremony in Oklahoma. They're going to be 0-8, 1-9, whatever they're going to be when Kyler Murray's ready to come back to football. And if you're Bidwell, if you are, you know, Monty Ossenfort, why would you put him in the game and not keep – I think they drafted a quarterback late uh, in that draft. I think maybe the kid from Houston, Clayton Toon. And look at all um, the picks for next year, Nate. I mean, it's yeah. setting up for this guy, for, for, for Gannon and, and for Ossenfort to say, no, he's not our guy. We're going to get our yeah. guy. And think about maybe what the, the, the trade potential could be for a Kyler Murray next year for a team like, I don't know, the Detroit Lions, who are probably going to get to the playoffs, but then realize they've sort of maxed out with Jared Goff or a team that is close or the other team, like Minnesota, right? A team that's going to be good enough to sort of be out in the race for a top quarterback say, yeah, we'll go take your guy off your hands. Uh, and, and trade for him, so and, and give you a premier pick for it. So uh, Arizona has set themselves up in a way where their own pick might be the number one pick next year. Houston's pick might be two, three, four, 
they've really set themselves up for such. Why would you put, you know, Kyler Murray in in week 12, week 11, whenever he comes back from injury? And then at that point, if he's not playing the rest of the year and they can choose between Drake May or Caleb Williams, I got to think that that's going to be a hard to say no to that uh, if you're Arizona. So, yeah, I, I think for me, Hopkins, he's there for now. That could change. I think the, the thing that I've been hearing over and over is that they just want so much for DeAndre Hopkins is that Monte Asenfort does not want to lose his first trade as general manager. He already got some bad PR about the negotiating with Jonathan Gannon, their head coach, before the, the, the legal tampering period was open. They got docked a fourth-round pick. It was just sort of a bad look for him. And I, and I think if you're their general manager, you're trying to do everything you can to come off smart and I don't think it comes off smart trading him for a fifth or a sixth round pick and, and have it being a salary cap dump. But there's no way, guys, no way that team, with how bad they're going to be, is going to be paying the salary of an, a 31-year-old receiver this year $18 million when they know they're going to be losing. Um, I imagine the closer we get to training camp, that gets figured out, whether it's Buffalo, whether it's Kansas City. I, I might not even close the door completely on, on like a team like Baltimore. Um, but, yeah, I, I do not envision seeing DeAndre Hopkins lining up come week one in Arizona. Listen to Nate Geary. There's no load management with Nate Geary here danger. Like no. a full weekend of draft coverage, and he's still bringing it here today. Love it. Nate, you're always the best. Thank you so much for joining us, sharing your thoughts on, on the weekend that was. And we'll catch up with you here again as the offseason gets underway. Yeah, well, listen, fellas, enjoy the uh, the PGA coming up. I know you guys are going to have uh, your nice little setup out there. You're coming so, out, right? I'll, I'll be I'll, I'll be coming out for Thursday, I think. All right, don't uh, be a stranger. You guys, you guys are you guys are going to be drinking your martinis with a little umbrella, you know, straws. Don't be pampering you boys up there. I know how you guys. I'll be driving my Porsche up to the uh, the bill up there at Oak Hill, making sure they park my Porsche in a place where it won't get scratched. In, in, in the danger, in the designated danger spot, yeah, which right. I'm going to be parking in before you get there. I so. love it, Nate. We'll look forward to seeing you here Thanks in a couple on. of weeks, buddy. Be good. Sounds good, guys. Nate, Gary, you can hear my WGR Odyssey Sports Sister Station, part of the Buffalo Bills Radio Network as well. (laughs) I like when you like these Buffalo guys come on and just kind of, you know, knock them off balance there with, you know, dangers. I don't know. What do you want to say? Off-color humor sometimes. Well, what was off-color? I was off-color? Because we were talking about wanting to drive a Porsche and me having a full head of hair and and a huge dong. Oh, that part? Yeah. yeah, Oh, that part. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the dream world that we're living in. I mean, we live in that nice little... In, in my dream world, I don't have to take a shuttle to Oak Hill. No. Hmm. No, we'll be pulling up alongside the media center there. We won't have to take a shuttle. Oh. Well, listen, Danger. We take a shuttle right with the media. We will be just going over from Nazareth. Oh. Like, we don't have to be on any uh, RTS Bus no. no, no, no. With the peasantry? No. no, no, no. By the way, it's inadequate. Official. It's official. We will be broadcasting live uh, from rounds one and two out at Oak Hill. Yes. Uh, this is our our first live broadcast from a golf event. That's true. Not a, a professional golf event. We have been at golf tournaments. I mean, we were at SOTUS there a couple of years. Right, for I think the RADA tournament yeah. we came out, but this is the first one. We we had a reporter out there for the senior PGA, but this is big. We'll be out there. 
Absolutely. Who, who knows what we'll run into? All right, we're going to take a break here. Come back. Happy hour is on the way next in the sports bar. We've got a round of shots. We've got some news to get to from around the NFL. And, of course, we will look back at the weekend that was in the NFL. Draft winners, losers. You've got uh, Boston melting down in the Stanley Cup playoff. You have the defending champ getting bounced by an expansion team. And you got some action tonight in the NBA postseason to get to as well. We'll get to all of it next with Happy Hour in the Sports Bar, plus your phone calls. Always welcome on the Good Smoke Barbecue and Pub Wingman line, 866-4FAN, 866-4326. Award-winning barbecue from Good Smoke Barbecue and Pub in the new location at 135 West Commercial Street in ER. GoodSmokeBBQ.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.